0: Well, question? Yeah. I do have a question. Yeah. hmm I thought I did. I don't see anything, but uh, I don't have any. No of any others. I'll double check my stuff after, though. So I thought I gave them back. I gave everything back with the sets I gave back. Take a look. If not, I can run and look while we're working on stuff and see if I have anything in my office. All right. Uh, due today. Homework 6 is due today or by 6 o'clock tomorrow if you're going to turn that in, that will be due then. That's chapters 13 and 14. And then the second set of solar observations, if you have anything, you can actually show me those while you're working on the lab portion, I can put them in and give them right back to you today or leave them with me today and I'll give them back to you tomorrow. Um, tomorrow's the break day, in other words there's nothing, <laughs> nothing due, probably the last day of the, for the semester that there won't be anything due. So there's nothing actually due on Wednesday. I've switched the exam will be on the 20th, which will be Thursday, and that will cover chapters 13, 14, and 15. We'll finish up 14 today and start on 15, and that will give me tomorrow to finish up and complete 15 before the exam on Thursday. And then homework 7, I have due on the 20th as well. Uh, That covers at at least, if you're going to work on it, work on the the first part for 15 before the exam. And then if you're going to finish it up, you can do the chapter 16 stuff after after the exam because that won't be covered on it since it's not due, due the 20th, but not due until the following morning. Uh, The project itself, we're going to do the lab today, is for the solar observations. I'm going to have you go through the calculations and the graphs here as a group. And we'll go through, I'll go through some examples and show you exactly what to do for those. And the project itself, the write-up, I'll give you all that information comes with this packet I'm going to give you today, that that will be due on Monday. Along with, uh, similar, if you're going to do corrections for exam three, you can turn those in on the 24, on Monday as well. Uh, There'll be two quizzes uh, this weekend. Uh, The last two online quizzes for the regular quizzes, then there'll be the two photo of the day ones, so quizzes six and seven. Uh, covering chapters 13 and 14 and then chapters 15 and 16 will be uh, available this weekend starting on the 20th probably I'll have them up on Thursday and will be available through the following Monday and then if you're looking while you've got a break the other big thing coming up is the last article review so if you're looking for something else to do while there's nothing to do tomorrow for this class at least right then the third the last article review will be due then so you may want to start thinking about that and getting that getting that set and then we're almost set. once we erase a few more of these things, we'll have pretty much everything up through the end of the end of the semester. I think I need to put up quiz eight, the final, and the last two iTunes quizzes, I believe, are the only things left to do, other than lab work that we'll be doing in class. Those are the only things left. So coming down to the end, um, got what? three days, three more days this week, counting today, plus four next week, or three next week in a final, if you want to look at it that way. Questions? Questions? Yes, ma'am? Is going to take the entire two hours or? It will take the entire two hours in as much as a regular exam takes a full hour. Does that make sense? Yeah. In other words, it's going to be double the length of a regular exam. Okay. It'll be like two regular exams. So if you finish a regular exam in 30 minutes, then it'll take you about an hour. Okay. You'll have the full two hours if you want it. Okay. So I'm not, gonna, I'm not doing anything else. Thursday is only the final. So there's no lect- last-minute lecture. I'll, you'll see a picture of the day, obviously, but other than that, you won't. you not going to words of wisdom. Words of wisdom for me? Yes. <laughs> I'll say good luck. Okay, that <laughs> That's the one thing I missed from high school. <laughs> I'm sorry. Have like oh, You'll have, you can use uh, You can use your sheets if you want You can use those if you want to use those You really need them for the first set I'll explain a little bit more about the final a little earlier next week I'll give you more detail on it But, but yeah, you can use the same study guides that you, The same sheets that you've been using You can bring those in If you didn't use them for one of the exams And you still want to get them They're all available online So you can use, th- use those Alright, anything else? All right. Picture of the day for today, then. Video of the day. A um, little bit closer to Earth than some of our pictures. This is actually uh, thunderstorm. So actually, a nice little video runs about two minutes. So I'm going to go ahead and get it started while I speak about it. I've turned I've turned off the volume. There's actually mu- they've got they got it to music too. So it'll <coughs> actually show it to music. If you want to listen to it yourself, just since I'm recording, I don't want to record somebody else's music. So. Um, it's actually a, a supercell, so a very a large thunderstorm cell, and you can see the rotation. This was from June 3rd, and you can really see the rotation of it as this storm develops. So very early on as it's starting to develop, and you can see that rotation, how it's turning. It's not a tornado, but this is the kind of storm that can really generate some big tor- tornadoes there. So you can actually see them. I mean, you can watch the clouds beginning to develop. And if you've taken a meteorology class, you probably know a lot more about it than me already. Because that's not, not one of my strong points in terms of these when they pick these. But as they come through, you start to see the lightning developing as this storm continually develops. These are not regular videos, these are time lapse. So, taking pictures over a period of time and putting them together. So it's not that you would have seen it developing this quickly over two minutes. It would have taken, you know, a much longer period of time to do that. And as we get through the third stretch here, again, as you can see, the intensity starting to develop, get a little bit stronger. And then the last one, I believe the last set shows it even a little more. Yeah, getting there. It's just starting to get that darker thunderstorm type feeling. But these are the type that would actually generate a large storm. There you're starting to see really, uh, now you've got the full storm. Full storm in effect, lightning really kicking in. And seeing that, so. What does that have to do with astronomy? Well, it's studying the Earth, so that's an astronomical object. And we see storms like this on you know, other planets. Jupiter has the great red spot, a great storm on Jupiter. Not exactly the same as this, but we do see similar types of storms, so studying those on, studying Jupiter actually can help us with the Earth because we can learn about a storm under different circumstances and maybe apply some of that back to the Earth. And we can also take our understanding of things and how they work on the Earth because we understand perfectly how thunderstorms and the weather work, right? Yeah. (laughs) Right, of course we don't. Any more than we understand half of the stuff of an astronomy for sure that I've been telling telling you so far. So, but we can still, we can use the two to work against each other. We can use, help, our knowledge of what we know about on the Earth helps us with uh, knowledge of the other planets, but what we learn about the other planets can come back and help us on the Earth as well. So cute little vid- cute little video there there to watch. And if you want to play it afterwards, you can play it with the music and everything. So probably a little more dramatic that way. Question? Question No? Yes. Yes, ma'am. I don't have a question, but you don't have a question. May you raising your hand? Huh. <laughs> yes. No, okay. So uh um, could we ever get extra bonus points if we're able to point out the notes? I was able to point it out in a movie I saw the other day. Were you? Good. Yes. I saw the creeds and I was able to point out the movie way. Oh, okay. Oh, they probably didn't know what it was in the movie. Like the, the creed. Well yeah. No, we didn't even know what it was till well, hundreds of years eight, ago. Then. Yeah. But well, we didn't even know what it was just till hundreds of years ago. But yeah, good. But yeah, I was really I that. Well good, great. <laughs> All right. Well we were looking at we were looking at this one last time. I was showing you how we could use lensing, gravitational lensing, to look for some of the dark matter. And that what would happen is that an object would pass in front of something and it would, it would deflect the light, it would deviate the light, and in some cases might actually make a distant star seem to be a little bit brighter as this object passed in front of it and then disappear. And over time we could watch that. Now I had one clip here before I bring this up that was this one. This is actually sim- simulating a gravitational lens. So this is not real data. This is not really a black hole moving through space that you're watching. It's a simulation of a black hole and what it would do to those distant galaxies as you watch them. So we'll play this. This takes about 30 to 40 seconds to play. But you see the black hole up there to the center. As, you, as it moves through, as it moved in front of these, you can actually see how it distorts the shapes of the galaxies. It moves It moves them, actually gets some arcs and some circle, circles there. If it lines up perfectly as it did right there for a second with that one galaxy, you can actually get a circle of light around the black hole. Now you're still not seeing the black hole there. You know, it's highlighted to let you know where it is. But when you get things lined up perfectly and the geometry is just right, you can actually get it in the shape of a circle or an Einstein ring. Gravitationally lensing that material around. Now, this would be a much longer period of time. This would take uh, many, many uh, millions, millions of years to actually work its way through there. Question, sir? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought a black hole was like sucking anything that got close to it. If it gets close to it, yes. But it has to get really close to it. And that means that if you turned the sun into a black hole right now, you'd have to squish it down to about 3 kilometers in size. And if you got to within 20 or 30 kilometers, yeah, it would. But the Earth, it wouldn't affect the Earth. So the Earth, you crush the sun, just take all its mass and crush it to a black hole right now, (coughs) it's going to get awful cold, it's going to get awful dark. But in terms of orbiting, the Earth will still happily orbit around. The gravity behaves the same. Only when you get very, very close to it, do you really get to see that? So I just want to show that just a little bit that shows sort of, sort of the idea of what you might get with the with the gravitational with the gravitational lensing effects. And some of this, this is more, this is a weaker lensing, this would be considered micro lensing. So a very little portion of lensing, just a little bit. But that's one of the ways we can actually detect, you know, this case, not a black hole, but a white dwarf or a brown dwarf star something passing right in front of another star will actually magnify its light a little bit and cause it to brighten. When we look for many, many of those events we can actually estimate how much matter there is in the universe. How much of that dark matter that we don't, the matter we can't see except for gravitationally. So that's where we were finishing up last time and then the last section of chapter 14 we need to go over on the Milky Way galaxy is the center of the galaxy. We've looked at everything else. We looked at the outer layers. We haven't really looked at the center. Now the center of our galaxy, it's highlighted there in the left hand picture. It stands out so much doesn't it? I mean you could just see where the center of our galaxy is there. No you couldn't. If they didn't have that little square there you wouldn't know where the center. If I didn't put the square there and asked you where the center of our galaxy is, you know, you're going to pick something relatively bright. But our center of our galaxy is actually located in this area. It's all blocked by dust. There's so much dust in between us and the galactic center that all the visible light from the galactic center is blocked out. <coughs> we see the light of some of the stars in the foreground that we can see. Even if we look in the infrared, the galactic center isn't all that bright. The picture on the right is magnifying. Here we're looking at this, this little section where we know the center of the galaxy is in the infrared. I still have to point it out with a couple of arrows to show you where it is. There it is, right there. It really stands out so much. There's so much dust there that even though infrared is better at getting through the dust, it's not not enough. There's still too much dust in the way that it blocks out so much of that infrared radiation. So, really, it takes radio waves to be able to see the center of the galaxy really, really long wavelength waves that can penetrate through all of that dust. So if we look at it in the visible, it doesn't stand out. Even looking at it in the infrared, it doesn't stand out. We certainly get much more detail in the infrared than we did in the visible, but it's completely blocked out just because there's so much dust, not at the center of the galaxy necessarily, but just between us and the center of the galaxy. Question? No? Actually, you answered because yeah. I was going okay. to totally say, how did you know that's the center, but you said the radio. Radio wave. We can detect it in radio waves. Otherwise, yeah, good point. How do we know it's the center of the galaxy? And you could do some other measurements of the motions of the stars to pinpoint where the center is as well without being able to see it. I'm going to show you some of that after as well. But radio waves are a good way to actually detect it. So now if we want to go in and look at that, here's the center of our galaxy. <coughs> in radio image. Now it's a very bright image. Red is being the most intense emission here in radio and then a little bit further uh, lower down as you go into the oranges and the yellows and the greens less intense. But we actually can see the center of our galaxy. It's actually one of the brightest radio sources in the sky. And if we zoom way down into it, here in X-rays we're looking, here's infrared radio, X-rays, a brighter X-ray source. Um, and then way down in the infrared, or in the radio, we're seeing another little section. Got, got a little kind of spiral structure there? It's so interesting, it's, does, does the spiral structure come from the something in the center? Again, that's one of the things I told you last time, is that we really don't completely understand yet where the spiral structure comes from. But we get a different picture of it as we look at all these different wavelengths. We're seeing different emissions. So looking at it in the infrared helps us learn about part of the center of the galaxy. Looking in at the radio, looking at it in x-rays, all all those different types of radiation help us in terms of understanding what's going on at the center of our galaxy. So what do we have? Well if we look near the center of the galaxy, stars are much closer together, there's a lot more stars there. a million times higher than it is here around Earth. So imagine how the, what the night sky would look like. You know, for each star you see, imagine seeing a million stars. The night sky would be pretty darn bright if you had a million stars for every star that we see. When we look deep down in, we see a very strong X-ray source with a rotating disk or ring of material. Not a little tiny one. Not a little tiny ring. That's parsecs, light years across, so it's a big rotating ring of material around this central object. You can't see the central object, that's what we know as if it's the black hole, but there's this big ring of material around it and light years across. A few parsecs would be, you know, 10 light years or so in size. That's pretty big. It takes light 10 years to go across, to go across that disk of material. That's a pretty big disk of material That's bigger than the distance between us and our nearest stars. Very strong magnetic fields and molecular gas. So what do we see? These are the things that we can detect and some of this we detect by looking in radio waves. So some of it we learn about from radio waves. Certainly x-ray source we learn from looking in x-rays. Some of it we look at the infrared. The visible is where we're kind of locked out here. The visible light is just so well absorbed Looking towards the center of our galaxy that we cannot see it in visible light. So you notice that all those images that I showed you, we can see our galaxy in visible light, but the center itself is really blocked out. We don't see anything there. And it's just all that dust between us and the center. When we look at other wavelengths, we can then be able to understand it better and start to learn more about the center of our galaxy. So what's going on there? We can't make that trip that 8,000, or what is it, 25,000 light year trip to the center of our galaxy. Probably not the place you'd want to visit anyway. Uh, The radiation levels get much, much higher. So even if you wanted to go and visit, yes, there's a big black hole there too. But as long as as you stay far enough away from it, you're fine. So if you go in you know, hundreds of light years away from it, you're going to be just fine. But the radiation is going to get much more intense. So in one case, when we look at looking for life in the universe, you don't even look too close to the center of the galaxy. You got all those stars, but the radiation levels are so much more intense that we tend to think it would be less likely for life to develop very close to the center of our galaxy. So we tend to look for for areas that are further out. So some of the things that we see there when we look at the center of our galaxy. Now, at the center, what really is causing this is a gigantic black hole. So, a black hole about four million times the mass of the sun. So, you've got one sun there. Add three million nine hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine or so more suns there, and squish them all down to essentially nothing. And you've got that much gravity at the center of the black hole, at the center of the galaxy, a great black hole which is what is causing all this. It's causing the radio emissions not from the black hole itself, from material coming in, uh, spiraling in towards the black hole in that disk. And that's what we call an accretion disk. An accretion disk, it's gathering matter or accreting matter around that black hole. As long as you're outside, you call what we call the event horizon, as long as you're outside that, then the radiation is free to escape. Once you're inside that event horizon, then we can know nothing else about it. So that's what is actually the source of all the things that we see. That's probably what is causing the excitement of all the different radio emission, the x-ray emission. All has to do with material spiraling into this black hole. And as it spirals in, we detect that radiation. Now how else can we detect that there's a black hole there? I mean, that, that's a good theory. It says that 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 maybe is one way to explain everything that we see, but how do we know for sure that there is a black hole at the center? And one thing that we look at, and I'm going to show you a little bit of a video of this, a couple uh, clip of this in a minute, but what we're looking at here is we're zooming way in and looking at stars very close to the center of our galaxy. So Sagittarius A, Sagittarius is the constellation in which our center of our galaxy happens to be located. Sagittarius A is the first radio source that was detected in that constellation. That's how they named them. Sagittarius A was the first and Sagittarius B and so on. So it was the first and the strongest one there. And that is the location of the center of our galaxy. The other object, this S2 here, is a star. So this star orbits very close to the center of our galaxy. You watch how long it takes to orbit around. You can see a couple of things. First of all, you can see Kepler's second law in effect here. Takes a year to go from here to here, this distance. Takes a year to go from here to here. But way out here, it took you two years to go this little bit here. Kepler's second law, remember, told you that it moves faster when it's closer to the sun. And we're not closer to the sun, in this case we're closer to the black hole at the center of our galaxy. And if you map out this orbit and use Kepler, thank you, and use Kepler's third law to determine the mass, you can figure out what the size of this orbit is, how big it is, what is the average distance between this star and the center of our galaxy. What is the time period? How long does it take to go around once from 1992 to 2003 there? How many years did it take to go around once? And you can then determine the mass of the black hole at the center of our galaxy to be right around 4 million solar masses. In this case about 3.7 solar masses based on just looking at the orbits of these stars. So coming very very close to this and moving extremely you can see how quickly that's moving. This is a star moving and whipping around its orbit is being changed very rapidly as it passes close to the center of our galaxy. Now typically when we look at stars' orbits, they don't, they don't change very, I mean they're just there, orbiting around. It's a big object to try to whip around. So it takes quite a bit of mass here at the center in order to get that moving. And then I've got a video clip here, sort of, sort of some of this in a video clip from part of a lecture that I want to pull up here. So let me exit out of this for a second before we go back and review that. And let's see, let me pause. In that case, you could actually see the orbits. You could actually see the, the stars zip around there. And there had to be something very massive there to take a star, you know, something more massive than the sun. In order for us to see it there, that's got to be a pretty big star. And in order for something to take it and have it come, in, come moving here and have it pass very close to something and get whipped right around, that takes an immense amount of gravity to, to be able to do that. If you we looked at the, I should have mentioned the times when we were looking at that, but as you watch that star, it started in nineteen ninety five or so and finished up in what was it, about two thousand and ten. It was about fifteen years worth of motion. So it didn't take it a very long time to go whipping around there either. Fifteen years astronomically is almost nothing. Yes, sir. it's moving. It's moving at a certain speed. It, unless it passes too close to it, it just gets whipped around. So, I know, it's just how I'm thinking if it's a hole, a Well, it's, it's not, a, it's a black hole is the world. name. It's not really a hole in the yeah. typical sense. Yeah. 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 It's, swirling. yeah, it's moving around. If it were not moving fast enough, if I, if this, if you stopped this, yeah. then it gets yeah. sucked right in. Okay. So if, it stops, yeah. if you stopped it, yeah. But you've got something going very, very fast, okay, it right it's moving at a very high speed, and it gets turned, and it just keeps going. Right? The same thing would happen. If, this, if the Earth were to stop right now, if we could stop the Earth moving around the Sun, it would get sucked right into the Sun the gravity would pull it around. If you could take the International Space Station and stop it right there. It's orbiting around the Earth. Stop it. What's going to happen? Well, gravity is still pulling it. It's going to pull it down to the Earth. Wouldn't be a pleasant thing, right? We We don't want that. We don't want either one of those. If this star were to stop it because it keeps moving, it just keeps going. It'll keep going. Now, it may eventually decay in and get caught by the black hole. If it gets within that event horizon or gets too close, it'll get torn apart. And depending on the exact nature of the orbit, we only looked at one orbit there. You know, it might actually get torn apart eventually. You know, after so many orbits, if it orbits every 30 or 40 years, it may eventually be gone. And there may be many other stars that have been gone. It may become part of that material and part of the energy source at the center. So you'll never know it's in a black hole because you can't send anything That's in, right. Right? It's just get shot back out like... right. You'll never if it crass, if it crosses that event horizon. If your event horizon is, you know. Way down here, someplace, you know. As long as you don't cross that, you can get back out. As long as you're moving fast enough, and think about how fast that thing was moving. It didn't move very fast up here, so it whipped around here in the matter of a few months. That's pretty pretty good to whip a star in a couple of months to a year to be able to move that star and turn it around. It's going this way, you turn it around going that way, you know. Try doing that with a car going 65 miles an hour. How long does it take you to get it going 65 miles the other direction? You, know, you, can't, you can't just turn it and you can't, not, not stopping. It's not stopping, it's just making that turn. You know, try to get a jet plane going and you want to turn it around, it takes some time. That's an immense amount of gravity to be able to whip a, not just a plane or a car around, but a, but a star around. So an immense amount of gravity that has to be there in a very small place, the only thing that we know of that would be that small, would then concentrate that much mass, would be a black hole. And a very big one. And uh, that we can figure out by the calculations, figuring out how fast this star, is, this star is orbiting. We can then determine how much mass is there. And it's about three and a half to four times, million times, the mass of the Sun. Alright. Well let's finish up 14 and then we'll go on and look at the rest of the galaxies. Um, First of all, what is a galaxy? We're looking at our own galaxy here. But a galaxy is an object that is bound together by its own gravity, contains stars and other material. So stars, nebulae, gas clouds, all bound together by its own gravity. We know that our galaxy is a spiral, not from direct observations. We can't see it visibly that our galaxy is a spiral. But different types of radio observations can map out the spiral arms. We can map out indirectly looking at where the bright stars and where all of the uh, star formation is going on that maps out the spiral arms in the galaxy and we can sort of figure it out indirectly in that case. In terms of determining distances, we now added a step to our distance ladder using variable stars because there was a relationship between how they changed in brightness and their brightness. how they varied, how long it takes them to vary, and what their luminosity, how what their true luminosity is, we can then use that to determine distances. And that's a great way to measure distances uh, within our galaxy and even with to the next few nearest galaxies, some of the nearby galaxies. Still not beginning to get out very far in the universe in terms of distances. But we've expanded greatly over what we originally had. How big our galaxy is, really we didn't know until Last century, uh, we had a good idea that there, our galaxy was big, but we didn't know really how big until we used the globular clusters to kind of map it out. And if you recall, the globular clusters were kind of spread all around in a great big sphere around around us. But we're kind, we were kind of off-centered. You know, our sun was over here. So once we could map out those globular clusters that we could see at great distance it actually allowed us to identify the center of the galaxy. The very early measurements, in fact the first slide, one of the first slides I started you with showed counting stars and put us pretty close to the center of the galaxy. At that point we were thought to be pretty close and for several hundred years that was about the thought that we're pretty close, not exactly at the center of our galaxy, but relatively close to it. Once we could measure the globular clusters, once we got the distance determinations from the variable stars, the RR Lyraes and the Cepheids, we were then able to determine where the sun really is, and it's actually part way out uh, from the center of our galaxy. Star formation in a spiral galaxy, we're going to look at all different types of galaxies in the next chapter, but in a spiral galaxy is only in the spiral arms and in the disk. So that's where we see the new stars forming. We look at the galaxy edge on, you had a center, you had a bulge around it, and then you had a disk where the spiral arms are. This is where the star formation is going on, because you also had that great halo around it of stars. No star formation there, not for 10, 12 billion years. There has not been going any star formation going on there. All the stars, all the gas, and the dust is all now confined to the disk. It is all collapsed down to that much narrower area. The spiral arms, we believe, how, how they formed is a good question, but we believe they propagate as density waves, so think of them as a traffic jam. So all the stars and the gas and dust get bunched up together and they slowly move through those jams, but as they do, they form, they form stars. The galactic rotation curve. We're going to look at these again uh, shortly. Uh, The galactic rotation curve shows that when we look at our galaxy, you'd expect like in the solar system, stars stars that are further away from the center to move slower. Makes sense, right? Neptune orbits a lot slower than the Earth does. Earth orbits a lot slower than Mercury does. That's because all the mass in the solar system is in the Sun and these are these little specks which were on one of them little tiny specks by comparison. But when we do that for, st- for the stars in the galaxy, it doesn't work that way. They go faster and faster and faster. So even ones that are further out than the Sun are actually orbiting at a faster speed. So, what that tells us, according to the calculations for you know, gravity, says that there's got to be a lot of mass out there. And not just, oh we need a few stars or a few black holes, but we need two to three or even more stars for every star that we see. For every nebula that we can see and measure, we need two or three more nebulae. For every molecular cloud that only emits in radio waves, that we can detect and measure, that's mass we can count, we need two or three more of that kind, that amount of mass. So for everything you see in our galaxy, we need several more of those to account for the motions that we see in the galaxy. and give you a hint ahead, our galaxy isn't unusual. That's not something special for our galaxy. Lots of galaxies show that. In fact most galaxies show some sort of evidence of a lot of dark matter there. And then finally what we finished up with today was looking at near the galactic center uh, suggesting that there is a very large black hole near the center of our galaxy about three and a half to four million times the mass of the Sun. And we can look at that through some of the emissions that we see, some of the radio emission. We can also look at it through the motions of the stars. When you get very close to that center and zoom in, right at the center, and look at stars that are orbiting within, you know, uh, hundreds of th- tens of thousands of astronomical units. So v- orbiting very, very close to the ga- to the center of our galaxy. Question? Question?